my name is John Patterson, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Influential You. Welcome to the Influential You podcast, where I'm happy to say that today my special guest is Dr. Gary Ward, here all the way from Perth, Western Australia. Gary, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you say a few things about yourself in just a second, but um, I love this man to death. Um, he is one of Oh, uh, he was one of my favorite people on the planet for a few reasons. One, uh, a close personal friend, get to spend a month, a year with you in France and uh, also sometimes in Australia, New Zealand. But um, he's also one of the faculty members for Influential You and uh, has been on the faculty now for two, three years or so. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So what else should we know about you just to get to know you? Oh, gee, how long have you got? No, a short, <laughs> a short health. Yeah, just I'm a, a short bit. Well, I'm, I'm a medical doctor based in Perth in Western Australia. I'm married to Claire. Uh, we have four children, as you know, pretty damned amazing children. Yes. Uh, and we have, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, a successful, well-respected doctor. And Claire and I have got these four children. And uh, we have this opportunity now to travel the world. We've purchased a, a property in France, uh, a little farm on which I've planted some oak trees and hopefully growing some truffles shortly and looking to spend more of our time there on the property uh, and uh, inviting people to come visit us over there. That's great. So, yeah, it's a bit about me. All right, good. All right, well, I, as I said, I've known you for a while now. I think maybe maybe eight or nine, nine or yeah, ten nine, years nine, or so. Yeah, 2013 is when, 2000, end of 2012, I think, was when you first came to Perth and led workshops Okay. to introduce this education. Yeah. Hmm. All right, very good. Yeah. And how are you ten doing? Years. You nervous? Uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. All right. I, you, know, I, you don't seem it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'll deny it then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. A little bit. Well, well I'm with my buddy. I know. Yeah, it's I just us. We should have a whiskey, right? We should just absolutely <laughs> have a whiskey with us right now. There is okay. whiskey in mine. <laughs> oh, is there? Oh, maybe there is in mine too. We don't know, do we? <laughs> Delicious. Tastes like water. All right. So, um, as you know, on the podcast, there's a few different things that we do. Everybody who participates with us, for example, has a journey. There's life before Influential You. There's what you discovered while you were here. And then there's life as it is now. And I know from reading some of the information about you and sort of the through line uh, of your journey, it's a little bit like, I can't say it exactly, but it's something like from chaos to yeah, I think it was from struggle and chaos to harmony and satisfaction. That's great. That's the way I, way I would phrase it. Now, as you, uh, as I read through your notes and things like that, you were dealing with a lot before Influential You. You were, by appearances, right, by appearances, uh, thriving as a doctor, family man, and so forth. So just tell us a little bit about life before Influential You. And by the way, I know it was amazing and great. You did some amazing mm. things. Yeah. Your, your journey from, you know, you, you, I'd like for people to know a little bit about yeah. some of your schooling, 
cool. degrees and things like that. And then here cool. you are out in the world living your life. Yeah. Well, going all the way back, I grew up on a farm and I love to tell people it was a farm called Woodstock. <laughs> just happened to be called Woodstock. And here I was growing up in the 70s, you know, going to university, uh, embracing the, a bit of that hippie freedom. And the Woodstock Festival came along and, you know, wow, I, I came from a little farm called Woodstock. My dad was a farmer. Mum was a nurse. Um, I went to, had the opportunity to go to boarding school and then found myself at university. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that stage, but uh, did a year of agriculture, then a year of veterinary science, and then uh, completed a degree in zoology, which I absolutely loved. It was all about evolution and ecology, the way animals interact with their environments. But I, job opportunities weren't great in that sphere of, uh, of at that field. So uh, my mum at that stage suggested I might uh, go back and do medicine. And mm. with her, uh, you know, she was a nurse and could see that, you know, being a doctor was a rewarding career. And so I did. I started uh, back at first year university in Western Australia. Got halfway through my medical degree and I was, I was rowing at that stage. I got this kind of genetic um, attribute of being He's tall, tall <laughs> and good at rowing. So I loved that and pursued the sport of rowing took a year off my medical studies uh, to begin a research project in yeah. sen sensory physiology, which is kind of the interaction that humans have with their perceiving their environment, how they move in the, in the environment. And it was an Olympic year. I was had an aim to get to the Montreal Olympics, just missed out, but that gave me the opportunity to complete my thesis mm. and was awarded first class honors in sensory, in physiology, sensory mm. physiology. Then went on to complete the medical degree, uh, worked in the big one of the big uh, teaching hospitals in Perth for a couple of years, and then travelled, as a lot of young Australian doctors do, they travel overseas to get some more experience. I went to the UK, I spent some time in Leeds, pursuing my love of neurology, so the study of the brain. Mm. Uh, then fell in love with Cambridge as I was travelling through England, uh, just absolutely loved the architecture and the environment of, of mm. Cambridge and applied for jobs there, uh, got a job on the back of my rowing ability more than anything else because the oh, professor really? in that department okay. needed, needed me for his crew. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had a great time in Cambridge, worked there for about two years, uh, exposed to all, all sorts of cutting edge medical things that were going on at that stage. I was involved in heart transplants, in liver transplants in the very early stages of that, uh, that, that uh, discipline in medicine. Um, and that's where I met Claire. Mm. Uh, and there's another story, as you know, about that. But yeah. uh, came, we came back to Perth. Uh, I worked for another couple of years at the hospital, the major hospital. Uh, we started a family. It kind of interfered with my study to become a specialist in in medicine. I was still keen to be, become a neurologist, did a lot of research in neurology uh, during that phase of my life. But then um, had the opportunity to, to I was invited to move into general practice and it was it much more suited our life uh, mm. and with a small family. So uh, began general practice and and i've been doing that now for 40 years absolutely love it mm. um i've moved here and there but um 
so you know by the time you know just before i heard about uh, before you came to perth <laughs> this is where so as you said you know had a great reputation as a doctor we had we had a family of four by that stage uh you know everything was great i was well respected as a doctor the family was good um but i'd always had this sense that there was something else that i should or could contribute yeah i i, I was kind of present to how much suffering there was in the world um you know, I thought there's all this war conflict. You know, I heard about the the fact that thirty to forty thousand children die every day of chronic persistent hunger. Yeah, you know, a tragedy that no one hears about. And I I was involved for a long time. I still am to some degree with an organisation called the Hunger Project, so dedicated to ending hunger and poverty on the planet. So I got involved in that, and then I got involved in medical politics. I got involved in another educational company for which I volunteered a lot of my time, and but it, I was I was trying to spin, a, you know, that Bunch of circuit, circus yeah. trick, people yeah. spinning plates, and I'm rushing from one thing to the other, trying desperately to have you know, my medical career still work, my relationship with Claire still to work, right? Being a good dad and all of that, uh, you know, trying hard to I don't know to fix something. And it was a struggle. It was kind of chaotic. Um, and I think there came a point where it all kind of came crashing down. I think the spinning plates for a while, fell, fell the all the plates fell. <laughs> I think you know that story, but uh, we probably don't need to go into detail about that. It was It was kind of a move to become a bit more entrepreneurial and to have the financial situation taken care of or to provide a better kind of medical service. But it, it became, a, as you know, a bit of a media storm and I've got, I'm yeah, well, I want to. I, I do want to touch on that one if we can. Mm. Be okay to talk yeah, about that sure. one? Yeah, sure. Well, because yeah. I think so. It, as I know, and I'm going to tell the short version yeah, of the story, sure, and then I have, a, yeah. I have a question about it. Yeah. So, you developed uh, as an entrepreneurial sort of aspect of your doctoring, you developed a kind of um, bespoke way to take care of your patients, uh, a kind of uh, what is it called? Yeah, concierge. Con exactly. Is, is what it's called here in the US. And if, if I can add this yeah. li little bit, uh, we'd, I'd heard about this on a visit to New York. You know, one of our one of our second daughter became a supermodel. You know, obscurity to one of the best known models in the world. So we, we had this opportunity to travel, go see Gemma in New York. I, I had to go to a doctor over there, and they came across this concierge practice. Yeah, and they, they it was on a subscription model. I thought this is great. It's very personal <laughs> and lovely, yes. and you know, it shows that the patients appreciate the doctor. And they, anyway, so I, I decided I'd launch that in yes. Australia. <laughs> yeah. So the the story is, and and this is about, I think some of the times there's there, there's moments that I very I remember very very well about meeting you and getting to know you. But um, so he's now started this business, um, converted many clients over to this concierge business, and then he's off to France, where again, spending quite a bit of time by virtue of, uh, you know, a, a small place that you have there and, you know, friends made through Claire over the course of years. And then one of the patients didn't care for it too much and then contacted talk radio, talk radio and suddenly while you're vacationing in France, um, you're being painted the scoundrel, the greedy, the greedy doctor. 
uh, in, uh, you know, the greedy doctor who happens to be traveling in France. And of course, her daughter's, his daughter's a supermodel. And what a scoundrel. You know, the rich and famous. How dare you? <laughs> taking advantage of people. Well, mm. by the way, and nothing can be further from the truth. And if you knew this man at all, you know that there's nothing but heart and soul and love and, you know, oozing out of his pores. But so, first of all, what was that like for you? It was it was devastating. Honestly, it it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. I I I've almost gotten over it, but but yeah, I, and horrible a, in the way that you were just misunderstood for your intentions. Horrible in the way that you were painted to be some villain. Yeah, what was horrible it about was, it? It was almost the you know I was being painted as as the exact opposite of how I wanted to be known, and mm. and I and I knew that most of my patients saw me differently, but it, I was you know I was, I was kind of crushed. I'd, I'd made this effort to do something that I thought was a was a good thing and enabled me to have a closer relationship with the patients that really wanted to work with me. And, um, but to, to get that sort of media attention and to have politicians call me price gouging and it was unethical and all of that was, yeah. was devastating. It just felt like my, just, you know, just, just crushed me. Yeah. Oh, and I know Gemma's had some similar experiences where, you know, for all she's lauded and everything, she's, I don't know how many covers of Vogue she's been on, but she, for, but for all of that as well, she's also had some times where, you know, people say things about you and it's really difficult to deal with. Mm. Um, so you say you're now mostly over it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, some wounds are hard to heal, yeah. right? Well, you, one of the things that, that happened for me after I began studying with you, I could see the, the flip side of it. And luckily enough, some of my medical colleagues who I was working with at the time saw this as a tremendous opportunity for marketing for, yes. you know, for, wow, we're getting some attention because of you, Gary, and the, this new practice we're developing is in the news. <laughs> Our logo's up there. Right. So they, they saw the opportunity. And, and looking back, if I'd had, a little more understanding of the way the world really works it might have been a great opportunity for me to to stand up for myself to say no this is what it is and yeah get even more attention would have been great <clears throat> that's <laughs> right back. well it's one of the things i mean even you know for those of you that don't know we're you know we here at influential you we traffic in what we call transactional competence that's sort of the fundamental underlying uh, philosophy uh, of what we do and what we teach. And, and it's based in a, a philosophy that's called transactionalism. And transactionalism is often talked about as something else. Um, it's often talked about in a, in a bad way and so forth. But nothing could be further from the truth because ultimately it means coexistence and a whole bunch of other stuff. But just like a you know, your bad news could be good. There's ways that we're turning that into some real opportunities. Mm. And with mm. a little mm. little specialized knowledge from people in PR and a little specialized knowledge in how to make those in transactional competence, uh, we're turning that into something really golden. Mm. So Absolutely. yeah, it would, it would be nice to know that. Maybe there's still, maybe there's still hope to heal some of those old wounds. <laughs> Look, they're gone, they're gone. Uh, there's, the, the, the trauma's gone, it's behind me. Oh, it was right. a learning, a learning moment for me. So then, so about the time that we meet, had this happened just prior to yeah, when 2011. we met? 
This, this happened in 2011. So, and, and then we met in 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay. So this is a fresh wound at that time. That's pretty fresh. Too. All right, good. So, and you were dealing with that. And then um, also about that time, you were dealing with some other things. I remember, uh, I'm going to have to get into them, but I know you were dealing with some things uh, that your children were going through at the time. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. Gemma yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And, and so you come to one of our events and i'm there and you're thinking who's this guy and then right. then you end up studying with us and yeah. during our programs what did you discover what did you deal with what did you confront what happened for you uh um it i mean it's hard to put uh you know so much that i learned into this conversation yeah but but uh, uh you know when i was thinking about this, preparing for this, you know, one of the, one of the kind of light bulb moments was really at the workshop that you led in Perth, that where you, you know, asked the people in the audience some questions and said, well, if you're that kind of person, you go and stand over there. And if you fit this kind of, these characteristics, you can stand over there. And if you fit these, and, and everyone just could, could see themselves in the, your description. We ended up with four groups in the, in different corners of the room. And you illustrated the four transactional personalities incredibly vividly and, and how those personalities fit with what you teach as the transaction cycle. And it was like, oh, my goodness, that is so obvious now that I see it. And so the, the experience for me was like there was there'd been something hiding in plain sight. If yeah. You like. Yeah. You know, that old expression, you know, I'd learned something that I'd didn't know that I didn't even know. Right. You know, and um, so that was, and then, then right through all of the programs, the, I think the, you know, one of the most vivid things for me was this idea of just slowing down, just slowing down, thinking accurately. What is this activity I'm engaged in right now? How is that activity supporting the satisfaction of my aims in life? Mm. for my relationship for my career mm. for my real satisfaction with the activity that i'm doing mm. you know for my money aim so a real opportunity to just be mindful of what i'm doing and how that might contribute and if what i'm doing might be detrimental to some of the other areas mm. so not to focus so much on you know before it was like I'm trying to change the world. I'm trying to make a difference everywhere. You know, giving away my and, and at the cost of my own health, at the cost of my relationship with Claire. <laughs> That's that moves me still. That you know that that I spent so much time in so much, you know, so much chaos and so much suffering. Really, that um, you know the difference now is is like it just seems smoother and much more satisfying mm. and i can slow down a bit take notice of, of what i'm doing i think i've said it already yeah all right good oh, a bit more and, harmony <clears throat> in the different aspects of my life people talk about work-life balance it's like i love my work now but i don't have to do it all day you know i do it for half the time i used to do well and that's the thing i think you and i've talked about because for a little while you were wondering if you're doing the program right or something might not be applying it right because you keep saying, you know, all these people around me are, you know, making 
50%, hundred percent more money. What, you know, what am I doing wrong? And then we had a conversation. You realized, Oh, I actually am not working. I'm on, I'm half I'm working half as much as I was before. And still making the same amount of money. And it was, you're able to transact more effectively for some of the full scope of that aims that you have yeah, across yeah. many of this. So now there's, uh, you know, just a few things. So from what I know, in terms of some of the outcomes of your study here, uh, that's one yeah. being able to, you know, work a lot less. And I know you're kind of at a place where you're wondering about the future. So there may be a lot less working, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But working less, uh, I know your relationship with Claire is, you know, incredibly, incredibly different now. There's a lot more time together and, and all of yeah. that. So can the you arguments say don't last as long? What? <laughs> the arguments don't last. <laughs> I don't sulk for as long. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are so many areas of my life now in which I, I feel really satisfied. Mm. And and some of that, I think, is is something to do with just accepting me, accepting, you know, particularly my personality, what I, what I yeah. finally landed on through, you know, a, a bit of a progression was that I, you know, I identify as the transactional personality that you teach of a performer so uh you know there's there's a whole set of characteristics that go with that and what i'm now much more comfortable with is the is, is the value of that personality yes you know that's that's one of the things that i now recognize makes me a really good doctor because i have fantastic bedside manner with people <laughs> <laughs> I make them happy, you know, generally I can yes. make them happy, even in those the suffering, you know, pretty awful conditions or illnesses. I always carry the sense of optimism with me. So people come into my consulting room often and when they leave, they, as they walk out, they say, boy, I feel so much better now, doctor. And, and it's not just, you know, I recognize it's not just whatever, you know, good advice I've given them, but it's, they, they, there's a mood that they can leave with. Them. Yeah, I don't you know. But uh, well, and so, your personality uh, and your but, skill combined is is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. The, the other thing that that really came home to me in this this conference a bit more um, was how good a relationship I have with all of with many of the top specialists in Perth. So so much that I can phone them pretty much at any time of the day, even if they're in the middle of an operation. They'll sometimes you know, pause, oh, it's Gary on the phone. Okay, yeah, I'll take that call. Uh, and so for my patients, I'll, I can often not refer them to a specialist and take them two or three weeks or four weeks to get a, a, an appointment and so on. So I can just pick up the phone and get some advice really fast and deal yeah. with their issue rapidly. And I recognize that's highly valuable. It is, absolutely. In fact, I think um, Josh announced you Last week, we <laughs> say uh, doctor to the stars or something like that to the rich and famous. I'm not sure how he said it, but I know one of the things that you're quite um, revered for is both your skill, uh, the network of help that you're a part of and your just your care, your deep and profound care mm -hmm. that you offer in your personality. Um, two people. Mm. Um, one of the things you may not know, um, I was diagnosed with cancer uh, a couple of years back, but it was only after uh, 
some work with Gary. I was in France and Gary reaches across and, and says, we got to deal with whatever this is on my neck. Right. There was a, it was right in there. And um, long story short is they found a, a baseball sized tumor in my throat. I speak for a living. So it was a bit of a problem. Um, but because of the, you know, you took me over to hospital and uh, we did some scans and some other things and were able to inform my own doctors back home about some of the things that we found. And, and uh, so I thank you so much for your care. You've always been an extraordinary, caring human being. And it's a joy to me that you decided to join our faculty as well because mm. of that care. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm curious about that as well. Did you have a, a moment at some point where you said, I, I want to be a part of this faculty? What, how, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it became so apparent to me through this education that not only, you know, I started to be satisfied with many areas of my life, but other people who were participating in this education had this incredible shift in satisfaction in many areas of their life. And that, that you, you teach people to pay attention to their health, the, the activity that they put their mind body to, the, what they, how they know how to coordinate activities of others and themselves, uh, to take care of the relationships, take care of your career identity, you know, all of those 15 conditions of life that we must satisfy in order to live a satisfying life. So long story, but it, it just seemed to me that, uh, you know, kind of fitted with my drive to, to be more than just a doctor healing the illnesses that came in and often the recurrent illnesses, but to recognize that what provides people with healthy life is to have healthy relationships, to have a career identity that's really satisfying, to have enough money to, to, to pay for medical care and so on. So there all these other areas of life impact health so much that I, I thought this is, this for me would be an extension of being a doctor. If, if mm. I could be on faculty and teach this to others, then, you know, that's, that's almost, you know, almost more than being a doctor. Mm. So that's what attracted me to being on faculty that I can teach this. And uh, I'm privy to lots and lots of conversations you and I have all the time together. And I know what fascinates you about this. And I know what fascinates you about being a doctor. And, mm. and in many ways, it goes back to your studies of biology, zoology, you could say, you know, ecosystems and, evolution. you know, yeah. evolution and, and all of that. So let's have a little conversation there sure. about that because there's let, let's just talk about it in terms of health for just a second so mm. it, it you have a kind of premise about health that is not common certainly in the united states mm. um and what we, we might call western medicine mm. now you are practicing western medicine so you're not practicing something else but there's you have a particular view about how we might become a healthier society you want to say a little bit about that that's a big question it is a big question but here we are <laughs> uh big conversation yeah well um well the 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 premise is that our health is not just what's inside 
what you might call the skin bag. You know, we yeah, have, we have this skin bound. Skin bound. We're not skin bound in reality. It looks like we are, and it looks like we're we're separate from what surrounds us. But the reality is, we're not. There's there's uh, you know, we use the term porous torus, which might take too long to explain what that is. But we're, but our skin uh, and our internal membranes are in a constant interaction with the environment or transaction with the environment. There are exchanges going on all the time, and we're not just we're not just humans. There's much more other organisms that we depend on that live on and with us. We're in a symbiotic relationship with all of those bugs that you know people now talk about the microbiome and how important that is well there's also a, a biome on our skin everywhere that keeps us healthy and 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 then and doesn't end there it's you know and i alluded to it before the health that you express comes from the environment and and really uh, you know, it comes from the environment of the kind of the, the quality of the relationships you have, the quality of the education you receive. So it's it's a it's a flow between the environment and the what we call our physiological body. And and and, and there's a and there's a historical flow as well, which is the underlying philosophy that you teach is a process relational philosophy, that everything's in a process, everything is in relation to everything else, so that. Uh, you know, who you and I are now is given by a history of generations and generations of our ancestors all the way back to amoebae and mm -hmm. the first life forms. Anyway, you might be getting off on too much of a tangent. No, not at all. Not at all. So, so that we are, um, we're sort of a, an, uh, we are an ecosystem in an ecosystem and it's constantly in a process, relational, transactional, adaptive dance with everything all at once, all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I think the best way to describe your premise is something like when we account for that, we do better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when we dismiss it, we don't. And that's yeah. kind of fundamental to everything that we teach. When we account for that, we do better. When we dismiss it, we don't. And we dismiss it because of our own hubris and our own conceit and our own ego and all kinds of other stuff. And there's a kind of duality that yeah. as you know, um, uh, I, I have, uh, I used to study architecture when we talked about classical architecture, one of the things about classical architecture, it's called classical because not because it's classic, old. not because it's old, because it was during a particular period or ethos of time when everything was being classified into separate bits, you know, like this is this and this is this and this and this and this and this. And in that great classification, basically one of the things that happened is, is we started to separate things. We started to think of mind and body and this organ and that organ and this bug and that thing. And so things started to develop a kind of separateness, yeah. which produced a lot of problem because none of those things like... Kirkland will often say this, Kirkland, the, the co-founder will often say something, you know, look, we could look at any one organ in the body, but be clear that they work together in a system and harmony. We could talk about any one of them, but you can't take it out because it's part of a, a thing there. So um, you began to, um, I know, focus a little bit more attention on preventative medicine mm. and what you might call, you know, a healthy 
ecosystem yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to say about that? Uh, yeah, well, I, I wanted to shift the way I practice from a kind of reactive, you know, reacting to whatever illness came up to, to helping people build some resilience to what you might call preventative medicine, but build, um, you know, the way to build resilience is to work in harmony with the environment, you know, harmony, yeah. but to, to pay attention to what you're taking in, to pay attention to how much exercise you're doing, to, to, to build some capacity and some resilience with, with health. Great. So, yeah. yeah. Totally communicates. And, and, uh, you know, and the work that Marnie and I do on the fundamentals of transaction program, I think helps people in that sense to build capacity in many different areas of their life. Mm. And that's automatically going to contribute to the health. So in some ways that's my favorite preventative health program is <laughs> <laughs> the fundamentals of transaction. Well, I want to bring up one other piece to it because I think this is an important part. So back to the thing I was saying about classification, you know, often is the case people will talk about mind, body, and soul or right. mind and body or heart. And, you know, they talk about all these things as if they're, they're separate things. And as you know, we teach it, uh, we don't talk about mind body, like they're two separate things or two distinct things They're all one system. So mm -hmm. when we talk about health, we're not just talking about biological health. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. emotional, mental uh, health and so forth. So any, anything you want to add to that conversation, especially yeah. in the light of that, you know, the fundamentals of transaction is a, a wonderful way in which to experience a lot of, of deep and profound satisfaction and peace. And so, so yeah. what do you want to say about all that? Yeah. Well, well I, I think, I think this is linked to one of the things you, you teach that, yeah, that this human organism is, is, is biology. You know, all interconnected, like you say, all those, the liver and heart and everything is all interconnected. We're biological, but we also carry around or are embedded in narratives and stories. So there's a huge amount of uh, you know, limitation or empowerment through whatever language we carry, whatever stories we carry about ourselves or about our environment. Mm. So, uh, so we're biological and we're linguistic. You teach. Mm. Yes. And that, and that, uh, so I've started to consider that, you know, the areas of, of medicine that are called psychotherapy or, you know, psychiatry, that classification of people into different psychiatric disorders are, are really in, in a sense, either, either linguistic, uh, misinterpretations you know, that, that interpretation yep. that I'm not good enough or, or the world's, you know, I'm not good enough leads one into a sense of depression or despair. You know, and there's different versions of that. Uh, to be frightened constantly of the world, I have a narrative that the world is a dangerous place, might lead someone to experience what we in medicine would call anxiety. Mm. Um, you know, even the more, the more weird, mental disorders are really dysfunctions of, of brain function, mm. not, not mind. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, so I, I now view, you know, breakdowns in the biological system that people have to deal with for their health breakdowns in their linguistic, uh, health, if you like. Yeah. Linguistic uh, so health. That's a great, yeah. yeah. We're, we're coined it today. That's a good one. <laughs> and then, and then, and then of course, you know, the next layer really is, is how, uh, how good are you at 
participating in the exchanges with others, and, and that's that's you know often involves language and the linguistic domain. But if if you're not able to be in really good, healthy exchanges with other people, as well as with the environment, but often you know we, we as humans rely on other people to help us to make our money and have a career and have relationships yeah. and have you know, all of that. We 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 rely. You can't live alone. Yeah. So that that idea that there might be healthy transactions or healthy exchanges or unhealthy ones, ones that consistently break down, uh, you know, there might be a, a, a way to talk about transactional health mm. or what you teach is transactional competence, which, yeah. which is a great praise, I think. That's great. That's great. I don't know if there are any, uh, you know, any kinds of uh, uh, what's the word we use soapbox. You know, is there anything you want to say uh, that you haven't said already? Uh, I, I, I think I've pretty much said it. <laughs> I, I think so too. I think so too. All right. Well, I'm just checking in. I see Josh says Doctor to the Stars. Yes. Thank yeah, you, Josh. I, well, maybe. maybe I'm not. This is not really a soapbox moment, but it, but it is to um, to kind of complete that story about my first attempt at, at entrepreneurship, where yeah, I yeah. asked people to pay an annual retainer. It wasn't very much, but um, but since then, I have a handful of clients who pay me many multiples of the figure that I first asked for. In order to provide them, they're you know, wealthy clients who who really pay me for the kind of peace of mind of knowing that I'm available and that whole big network of specialists are available to assist them at the drop of a hat. So, you know, that's been, that's been, you know, very rewarding and why Josh would call me the doctor to the stars. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> um, I want to give you one opportunity also to pitch uh, the place you'd like to have the the mid-year summit in oh, yeah. 2024, if you want to say anything 2025, about yeah, in 2025, I mean. something about where you'd like oh, to, yeah. and, and why that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is, this is, has to do with the property that Claire and I have in France. So it's a small farm. It's in a beautiful uh, part of France away from the tourist area. So it's not in an area that most people would they say, do you live in the, in the Dordogne or in the Loire Valley? No, we don't. We live in an unknown area of France, but it's gorgeous. Most, one of the most beautiful places. My favorite. Yeah, and and we we have and, and it's an area that is deeply connected. It, it's a it's an area where I mean, Claire. I was on the phone to Claire this morning, and she was telling me just how moving it is to be there in that community, where her French sister uh, took her out. To a nearby farm, and they were they were given the milk and the cream for their week supply, or you know, and they were given a whole lot of partridge eggs. Um, there's this, and there's this deep connected in relationships and in the exchanges of produce that happen mm. all the time, and it's in an environment that's beautiful and yes. taken care of. It's an area of France in which pesticides are banned, so you know the farmers don't use pesticides. So the life is abundant there. There are birds and there are bugs and insects, but things grow fast. And so it's 
So it's this beautiful nurturing environment, beautiful food. Um, and we want to, we, we have this vision of creating our, our home in France as a place where people can come together. And we say unplug and recharge. Yeah. You know, recharge by being connected to the environment and connected to a very nurturing environment. And, uh, and along with that, it's quite close to the town of Cognac, where the French drink of beautiful drinks of Cognac or <laughs> kind of brandy, but it's Cognac. Uh, that, that town is a beautiful town. It's quite nearby us and they have a fantastic uh, conference venue that uh, you and I think would be amazing. For, it is an amazing uh, conference venue. venue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. And, yeah. and in the, in the middle of an area where you said it beautifully when you said unplug, uh, whenever I go, first of all, to, to, to stay with you in, in the village, I, I just completely unplug in a way it, it rests my soul yeah. in a yep. way I That's... cannot experience and have never experienced anywhere else on the planet. Yeah. I fully and utterly just rest down to my toes, but not in a state of boredom, but in no. a state like a, there's a cacophony of life, like you just said, and it's unbelievable. And being in the in this place that's you know many, many, many I don't know thousands of years old of of stone villages and all of that and the wine vineyards and the, all of that in the in cognac and the rivers and it's mm. it's just stunning. Mm. So. So your plan is 2025 in Cognac? Correct. All right. And, okay, and, well. and perhaps before that, some of our more esteemed students might come and visit. And stay with us. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Either retreats or forwards as you recharge. Very yeah. good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our interview today with Dr. Gary Ward. Just a few things to take us out. want to let you know that each week we do stream at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please do share it with other people. Um, also, you can go to InfluentialU.Global and test drive our self-guided program. It's called Thrive. <laughs> Isn't that a good name for it? It is great. I love it. Thrive lets you learn at your own pace and enjoy some of the perks of full-time study with Influential You. Thrive subscribers enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions along with access to ever-expanding content uh, and a library that features exclusive video lessons from some of the founders like myself and faculty from around the world. You'll get proven proprietary tools accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to the faculty so they can say hello to you and discounts on our transformative conferences and workshops perhaps one day in France. In France. So today our show notes do offer links to connect with our guests plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we may have talked about today. This podcast is made possible by the influential youth staff, mentors, and members around the world. Special thanks go to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and video and sound by Michael Teehee, Joey, and Daryl Anderley. 
The Influential You podcast is produced by Influential You LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on July 13th, 2022, and the podcast theme is by Chris Standering, titled Fast Train to Everywhere. If you haven't offered a rating or review, we ask that you go to your favorite podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. Thank you much, and we'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.